I left Virginia College and uh, was not working for a while, and I was at home with my dad, and that's when I really became more of his caregiver at that time, which was a blessing. Did what I needed to do. There were some some great days, and then there were some days that were not so good, you know, because I have siblings, but... um, not everyone wants to do and step up to the plate and say, okay, let's take care of dad or let's take care of mom. So that's where the whole thing mm-hmm. about, you know, raising parents because it's, the roles reverse and it's, it's a mind boggling experience. You know, when you have your parents taking care of you all of your life and then all of a sudden you become that parental person yeah. and, you know, you're having to do, you're having to cook, you're having to shop, you're having to sometimes help bathe your parents. And uh, and that was tough, you know, because my mom passed when I was about 12 months old. So I never knew my mom. My father's all that I knew. And I had older siblings and there were people in the community and, you know, schools and that helped my dad raise these two young girls, although they, we were the youngest two, Sheila my sister, who's two years older than I am, we were still at home. So everybody else was out, gone, grown, you know, had their own families and responsibilities. And so after a while, my dad became ill. He fell and and broke his hip. And so that's that's really where the the turning point started taking place. But anyway, long story short, I left the post office and, and my dad passed away before then. But I decided to... I've been doing my photography. Yeah. I've been really focusing on that. Suits me photography, which is, you know, everybody knows me. It suits me. And uh, and so here I am. And we're happy to have you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have to talk about that. Too. Okay, so. Right in the corner where you are. So enjoy. All right. Well, here we are in Hoover at my apartment with Sam Mitchell, who is a director, a writer, a community activist, right? Yes. Photographer. Yes. Which you said is how most people know you. How would you describe yourself? Oh, wow. Um, Just as you did. I'm I'm, I'm I'm proud to be an activist. I, I love doing things for people and helping people and making a difference in in the lives of other people. And I'm learning more and more as I get older that um, my life is not about me. It's always about what I can do for someone else. And so, yeah, I'm an activist. Um, I'm a child of God, and I'm so proud to say that. And uh, and just learning more and more uh, about the things that I'm supposed to be doing or learning more about my purpose here on earth, which is really ultimately to help other people. I think a lot that happens to a lot of people, especially as they get older. I remember taking a class at UA with Chapman Greer. It was actually just an uh, English lit, lit class. Mm-hmm. And I was probably 32 at the time, so I was kind of a late bloomer when it, I was about to start grad school. And she used to talk a lot about that, how as she was getting older, she was learning to be more compassionate, mm-hmm. to be more community service oriented. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way too, which yeah. is sort of the purpose of this podcast. And it's one of the things I love about you because I follow you on social media and I see all these things you you do like out in the community. 
Are you? That would be Dolly's. Squeech. Why don't you go? I'm going to go check on that. And we'll keep going. Doors. So, are you originally from Birmingham? I am. Mm-hmm. I'm from Birmingham. I uh, grew up on the south side of Birmingham. Attended Glen Iris Elementary School for the first two years, and then uh, UAB really just took over the entire the south area. side area. So we had to move, and so my dad bought a house in Titusville, which is not far from there. Yeah. And um, and so that's really where all of my upbringing took place. And uh, went to Washington Elementary School and then Parker High School and from there Talladega College and so yeah I'm a Birmingham girl. Is you would you say your activism is rooted in the sort of history of activism in Birmingham? Or is there is there something about being from Birmingham that inspires you specifically towards your community or You know what? I don't think that that's necessarily it. Not knowing my mom, like I mentioned earlier, uh she passed when I was about 12 months old. Uh, but, you know, I have a, an older sister. I have several older siblings. And one of my older sisters, Shirley, tells me all the time, you're just like our mom. You know, she loved helping people and she loved doing things for other people. So I think I got uh, a good bit of it from my mother, which uh, I'm very proud of. So that's, again, what it's about is is giving back and doing for other people. I love elderly people. There's just something about elderly people that that I just have a passion for. In fact, I just left a meeting at my church this morning. Uh, they're they're uh, preparing to get more involved with with the elderly people in, in Meals on Wheels. And so when they made the announcement at the church a few weeks ago, I thought, well, I'm going to go and just find out what I can do as a human being to help feed these these elderly people who don't have the meals that we so readily have every day. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the things that, see, my mom and I are both the same way. I hate to, I don't like to go around just bragging about things that I do. My mom does not, somebody will point out something good that she does or Mm -hmm. whatever in the community. Mm -hmm. She's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want everybody to know. Right. So keeping that in mind, understand that it can come across as, 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 you know, bragging about what you do. I don't think that's where it's coming from. I tell my mom all the time, you need to share that you do those things Mm -hmm. so that you can inspire other people and let them know where the needs are. So where do you see need in in the Birmingham community, what kinds of things would you want to see people being more involved in in the, in the community? There's a, a good bit that uh, everyone can do, and it could be something small, uh, you know, picking up the phone and, and just calling a neighbor just to say hello. How are you? Absolutely. You know, I haven't seen you, or I have seen you, but I just wanted to say hello. And, um, and or, or reaching out to these young people, you know, everyone knows that there's just a, a, an enormous amount of violence that's taking place in the city of Birmingham. And this is not the city that I grew up in. This is just totally different. And uh, but something has happened. Something is happening, but not only in Birmingham, but across this nation. And so anything that I can do or encourage other people to do is to get involved with young people volunteer at the schools. I um, I volunteer at Washington Elementary School, which is where I graduated from. Oh. And um, and I, I go there 
it's a it's a fairly new program that I've gotten involved with, but it's it's a it's a, a creative arts program where you know children are are inspired to get more involved with the arts, and oh, so wow. as a professional photographer, I go to the schools, and of course they don't have a thirty five millimeter camera, so but I take a lot of pictures with my cell phone, which right. everyone does, but I try to with my pictures that I take is take pictures that people ordinarily would not take. I love getting out walking as a form of exercise, but um, more just to sort of clear my head and and, and uh, have that time, that private time with God as I'm out walking. And so when I'm walking, if I have my cell phone, I'll take pictures of something, usually on the ground. Uh, there could be a heart shape. I've seen some of those that you post online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing that. And so that's something that I'm encouraging the students at Washington School to do. You know, so when they have their cell phones and they're out and they're hanging out with their buddies or their parents or whatever, and I want them to see nature and to see art and to see beauty. You know, it may be on the ground, but that doesn't mean that it's dirt or it's dirty or it's, you know, it's, it's, it's art. So right. look for it. So I love doing that. Yeah. So I want to talk more about your photography. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit more about how, where and how you grew up. Because my best friend, Eric, okay, grew went to Parker High School also. Mm-hmm. He lives in D.C. now. but And his and he is from Titusville. Okay. And his mom lives in Titusville. So I'm like really familiar with that area. But she talks a lot about the changes that have happened in the area since. What are what are some of the changes you've seen in that area and, and in your and in your schools and the places where you have grown up or grew up? Sorry. Yeah. What, are, what are some things that you've seen positive, negative? I've seen, unfortunately, quite a bit of negative yeah. uh, in the Titusville area. And when I was growing up. Back in the 80s, you know, Titusville was Titusville. There was no North Titusville or South Titusville. Yeah. It was Titusville. But now we have North Titusville, we have South Titusville, and that th- that only created more of a division between people, which is unfortunate. Right, right. But so I grew up on the North Titusville side, on the side that uh, where there's Memorial Park. So over there. Uh, people are, uh, there's a different mindset, if you will, from the people on the South Titusville side. There's, I don't know, there's just a lot of rental properties and people just don't care about Mm. the housing area. So you have a a lot of dilapidated homes. You have, you know, a lot of um, uh, prostitution. And I say a lot, but there's prostitution going on. There's drug dealing going on. There's all this stuff. You know, you hear the gunshots, which you can hear over here in Vestavia, you can hear it anywhere, mm-hmm. Hoover, yeah, you with it. but you know, you hear a lot more of it over there in the Titusville area, yeah. you know, on that North Titusville side. That's not how it was when I was growing up. So uh, there's a lot of negativity there, but I've been told that Titusville is about to make a turn for the better in terms of businesses coming to the area. That's what you I know, hear. UAB is getting more involved. So I hope that that's the case. But even still, Something has to happen with people's mindsets. So if those people who are doing these things decide, okay, or if they're forced out of the Titusville area and they go somewhere else, they're going to create those same problems or take those same problems with them. So people have got to start thinking differently. They've got to, you know, have a, uh, a heart 
for for Christ and for themselves and for other people, yeah. you know, in order for change There's more to than happen. a political fix to, oh, yeah. to every problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love for that sure. Mayor Woodfin is, seems to be paying more attention to the, all the different communities within Birmingham or whatever and trying to do things. I think he appears to be doing a good job. I don't know if I follow closely enough, but but it also is about, you know, people in the communities themselves. Yeah. Where is, so North... Eric's mom lives sort of behind the library. Is that okay, North? So that's North Tennessee. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think she even said the other, that the people next to her now are renting because her neighbor for years passed away mm-hmm. was really upsetting for her. And mm-hmm. then they've had several rentals. Renters can be fine if they, 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 they behave themselves. If they I'm behave themselves, <laughs> if they keep the area clean, yeah. you know. And, and, as, and I, I agree with you. I think Mayor Whitfin is trying to do his part. Mm-hmm. Um, could there be more things that can be done? Absolutely. Sure. But uh, but it's still going to take the people. You know, when when you see trash everywhere and 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 just filth, and and if the city if the city comes to clean that area up, and then you still have the people continuing they, to yeah. You know. Hey, folks, just let her in. Speaking of Titusville Library, mm-hmm. your documentary "The State Wins" uh-huh. is is in that library and, and the downtown library. In the downtown uh-huh. library. Uh-huh. When did you make that, and and what was the inspiration for that? I know you're a huge football fan. Yeah, I love football. <laughs> I love sports, but I decided to do that documentary because growing up in Titusville, uh, I had an aunt who lived directly across the street from Legion Field. So every, that's when, you know, all the football games, the Iron Bowl yeah. was played there. Yeah, Majesty, I remember that. Yeah, all that. You know, Magic City Classic is still played there. And so we would, as kids, go across the street and, you know, hobnob with the people and get some <laughs> hot dogs that. and, you know, just have a great time. You were tailgating with Yeah, them. <laughs> tailgating with the people. And I remember that being so much fun. Yeah. You know, I think we were able to sneak into one game, maybe. Um, and so I decided to... to create this documentary film about that experience, you know, going to, uh, and, and it's focused really on, on tailgating, although it's titled The State Wins because it's about the Iron Bowl and the Magic City Classic and how people come together for the love of football, for the love of tailgating, you know, and just the camaraderie that it does, that it brings to the city of Birmingham. And so I reached out to the college presidents at each university and introduced myself and let them know this is what I'd like to do. Everybody was on board. I reached out to the governor's office. He was on board. It was Governor Bentley at that time. The mayor of each city participated in the film. And uh, and it was just, it's a great story. It's yeah, about yeah. not just football, but how people, no matter what, where you come from, who you are, how we come together for the love of football and for tailgating and just to have a great time. I think that's exciting. Were yeah. you at all intimidated to contact the presidents of universities no. you're not intimidated no. <laughs> you no. have experience in education anyway so you are. so you know either they were going to say yes or no yeah yeah that was it had they said no then it would have been their loss you know for not having their school participate but everybody was just like yes please do how long did it take you to make that it took about, and I didn't. I didn't do it by myself. Or Carla Youngblood, 
who you had on the show recently, was the my film partner with that. Uh, Rizak Kadri is a uh, phenomenal editor here in Birmingham. Several people, several people were involved in the okay. project. So I've, I've, I give credit to everyone who helped to make that film and make it what it is today. And I, I thank them. But it took about two years, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a process because we we filmed here in Birmingham, which was easier to do, you know, because we're both here, Rudy, Carl, and I, and everybody was here in Birmingham. But we had to, in order to capture, in all fairness, you know, the Iron Bowl, we had to film one year in Tuscaloosa and then the next year in oh. Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, yeah. and then of course there was all the editing. That was a lot of editing because we had a lot of footage. I bet. A lot of footage, yeah. Yeah, we I deleted. <laughs> there was so much footage, Fox. It's a lot. Yeah, For it was a lot. Years, yeah. yeah, it was a lot. So, um, but well, it was fun. A lot of the time was probably the editing, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but people were just so excited. You know, people love talking about their teams. And Absolutely. it's like, hey, we're doing this documentary film about Arabo. Oh, okay, what do you want me to say? You know, <laughs> just like that. It was a lot of fun. So do you, you've done other films like uh, The Truth of, the truth Up and Coming, which yes. is about Carla, I've seen yes. that, yes. and Jesse Speaks, mm-hmm. and the other one that I've not Wildfire. heard of, Wildfire. Yeah. We'll talk about those a little bit. What okay, okay. Are there more that I don't know about, too? Um, I've done some other ones through UAB when okay. I was taking classes there, but The Truth Up and Coming is about Carla the Truth Youngblood, the 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 world famous yes. <laughs> Carla the Truth Youngblood. We love the, her. Uh, the funniest lady that I know. Absolutely. Uh, one of the smartest women that I know. You know, Carla has a phenomenal story going from certified public accountant for many years, 30 plus years to stand-up comedy. You yeah. know, who does that? And uh, has a great story. And she's just naturally funny. She is. You know, she is so incredibly funny. And I said, hey, you got a story. Let's, let's, let's show it. And so we decided to do that. And, uh, and when we did Carla's and, and submitted it to uh, the Sidewalk Film Festival, the, the tickets were sold out. Oh, wow. And they had to show another showing of it like the next day because so many people wanted to come out to see the film. So that was great. That was really great. Um, Jesse Speaks is the first documentary film that that I ever did and with no experience, no anything. And and let me just give a shout out, if I may, to the Sidewalk Film Festival. Sidewalk actually accepted my very first film, which was Jesse Speaks, as P-E-E-K-S instead of S. P-E-A-K-S. And I spelled it differently because I wanted people to be able to find it easily as they were Googling, you know, this documentary film. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, I Googled Jesse Speaks the name, and there's one gentleman somewhere in the whole world whose name is Jesse. Yes, I said, I can't give him this kind of credit. So So I spelled it differently. But but Jesse Speaks is about a young man by the name of Jesse Miller III, who just happens to have autism. And when I decided to do the documentary about Jesse, I didn't know anything about him having autism. I just knew that he was this incredibly special young man 
that that everybody should have known about because every time I saw Jesse after one introduction, he remembered my name and and I just started noticing at the YMCA, which is in Trustful. A shout out to them because they allowed us to do much of the filming there. After I reached out to Jesse and I said, "Hey Jesse, I want to do this film about you, and you know, can you give this letter to you know whomever needs to get the letter?" So it was to his parents, and they said, "Yeah, do it." I never met them did this film and later learned that Jesse does have autism and and it just opened so many doors and in, in, in terms of conversations about um, autistic autistic people and 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 everything that goes along with that so it was great it was really good That's and really Jesse cool. is one of my best friends I love him wildfire is a film that I did while studying at UAB and uh, I partnered with a young man by the name of Jonathan Nielsen. We were in this class together under the leadership of Michelle Foreman, who was our professor at the time. And we decided to do something about, a film about all the violence and, and, and things taking place in Birmingham, not just in Birmingham, but elsewhere, but sure. focusing on the city of Birmingham. And so we interviewed a lady by the name of Carolyn Johnson, and her son was murdered about 17 years ago here in Birmingham, going to a, a, a birthday party one night and just had just pulled up to the house. There had been a fight and people started shooting and he was shot in the head and um, his killer is still out there wow. at large. And so wanted to, to feature Carolyn for her to share her story you know, hoping that, that it's going to bring light to what happened and hopefully justice sure. one day very soon. And so um, Wildfire is another one of those films that hopefully will make a difference and, and encourage people to do the right thing and to stop all the violence. And I, I just learned that the Birmingham Police Department showed it recently maybe a couple of two, oh, three no. weeks ago, okay. to a, a, a youth committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know all the details about that, but uh, I'm hoping Wire Fire would just kind of travel and do what it needs to do. How do people find your work? I mean, is it in different places? I know you can get one of them at the library. Mm-hmm. and it's, Do you need to see it at a festival? Is it available for sale anywhere? Uh, they're not for sale. They are um uh, the State Winds is at the library, the Birmingham Downtown Library, and the Titusville Library. Jesse Speaks is at multiple libraries. The Truth Up and Coming is at multiple libraries. And Wildfire is available on Vimeo. Oh, V-I-M-E-O. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's on Vimeo. Yeah. That's uh-huh. exciting. It, it is exciting. Do you have any other films in the works? That you can talk about? Uh, there's one that, that I've been really thinking about doing, and believe it or not, y'all, I, uh, and I was telling my great nephew about it, and he was like, I've never even heard of that, but I'm 53 years old, and uh, so in 1966, when I was born, I was told that I was born breached, mm. where my feet came out first, and uh, and so... I don't hear a lot of people talking about breach births, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was telling my great nephew about it, and he's 22. He was like, I just, I've never heard of he's that. never heard of that? He's never heard of that. <laughs> so I said, well, that's all the more reason I yeah. should do a film about 
Bridgeport. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to reach out to um, a physician who w- who's willing to talk about that and explain what it is and why it happens. And, you know, people can live a normal, healthy life, you know. So I think that's just something that, that needs to be talked about and needs to be shared sure. on film. Yeah. That's so cool. I love the way ideas come to people. Yeah. That's really no. I don't know that anyone's ever else has ever done that. Yeah, I I, I have I've Googled it, mm-hmm. and that's usually what I do too. I'll, I'll Google to see if there's a story or something similar, you know, out there. Um, not that I I wouldn't do it because of that, but I still like to just see what's right. out there and read about it and get familiar with it. But I haven't seen anything yet about oh, that. I look forward to that. Thank so you. You say that most people know you through your photography. Sure. Uh, what is the name of your your photography business? It suits me, and actually, I started suits me many years ago, maybe in the early '90s, and and I love wearing suits, and so I've always been known, especially when I was recruiting, sure. you know, for my suits, <laughs> and so uh, that was just a vision from God to, to, to from God to, to start suits me s, but not s u i t s. But S O O T S M E and suits me stands for seeking outstanding opportunities toward success. Nice. So that's the whole premise of suits me. So suits me photography hashtag suits me. That's that's where <laughs> that's where people can find me. Okay. So even when you were in education administration and all that stuff, you were doing photography. I wasn't doing photography. That's a great question. I was actually doing. I guess it's called career career assisting, I was helping, I was assisting or creating resumes for people, because writing is really my true given, God-given talent. Okay. Love to write. And so I was, I'd I'd help people with their resumes and, and, you know, find jobs and and those type things. So when I stopped doing that, I don't know if I ever stopped, but when that just sort of got put to the side and I really started getting more focused on other things in my career... I still kept the suits me, you know, you, you see that on my personalized tag on my car okay, and uh, okay. that, that suits me. <laughs> and uh, so people know me by that. And so when I started really focusing on my photography career, I decided to keep the name suits me. And so it suits me photography, That's but suits okay. me sort of covers other stuff too. So you brought up writing again. I do think after, especially after talking to Carla and I know you guys are such good friends. Yeah. I think you need to write your own life story. Are you are like a memoir? Are you yeah. interested in that? Have you I'm thought so of that? interested in that. I really am, and and I've I've, I've started it and put the pen down. Started and put the pen down. But start. So I've just got to do it, you know, because I think too, um, writing my memoir will will only help me to come to the realization of who I really am. You know, and I think that's with anybody because you once you start at, at zero and then just kind of work your way up, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to do that. I remember <laughs> I loved to do that. You know, I can remember um, as, a, as a little girl and going into teenage years, always liking and wanting a, a movie director's chair. I've I've always loved director's chairs as as a kid, and so obviously that was that was a reason yeah, for yeah. that, you know. And so that's just one of the things that um, 
that I, I just can remember. Uh, I can see the cover kid. of your memoir now in yeah. the director's chair. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That <laughs> is so cool. Me. Suits me. <laughs> well, you have a lot to t- So, like, if you had to think of where you would start your memoir, mm-hmm. would you start all the way back at your at being a breech bird? I would. Or would. You would? Yeah. 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 I definitely would. Um I think that that would just be beneficial to start at the very beginning. Of yeah. course, I don't remember from age zero to maybe four. Is that your earliest memory? You think? Yeah, me? I think. Yeah. I can't remember mine. Yeah. You know, I was born in the middle of a tornado. Wow. In a hospital, but the power went out and everything in Opelika. Wow. And I've always been insanely afraid of tornadoes. I know okay. everybody probably doesn't like them, but very scared of them. And I was in one when I was like seven in a trailer. And it blew it out, blew out all the windows. Mm-hmm. So tornadoes have always had sort of a. It's been like a through line in mm-hmm, my life, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. weather, and sort of. I feel like a connection to like rainy days mm-hmm. and dark weather and everything. I really mm-hmm. think that part of that is stems from my my beginnings. Yeah. So I, I think beginnings are really interesting, even like how you're born. Yeah. And that breech birth is interesting. I can't believe that. Do people not talk about breech? Did you know what a breech birth was? I knew from, and I know this specifically, I did not learn it from a sex ed class. I learned it from an elective anatomy and physiology course in high school. Wow. Does it not happen as much as it used to? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Yeah, it's very interesting. So it's, it's a story that I definitely want to do. Uh, I've just got to, like I said, get the, uh, I don't think I can do this story without having a physician to actually right. talk oh, about. Course. Yeah. So I've just got to make sure that um, that I get the right person to actually do it. So you've got your beginnings. You've got growing up in Birmingham yeah. and all your experience in education. And, you know, one of my former students is now the mayor of Talladega. I told you that already in yeah, our class. But, yeah. So I have a connection to Talladega. I really want him on the podcast, but I think he's busy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm sure he is. My best friend still lives in Talladega. Oh, yeah. Where she's from Talladega. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was there. Uh, a few weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. Love Talladega. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I learned from uh, Mayor Raglan's social media that it's not Talladega. It's Talladega. It's Talladega. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, you're also on, I don't want to leave anything out because I think you do so much, so many cool things. Thank you're you. on the board for Steel Magic, Magic Theater. Theater. Mm-hmm. We saw... Fences. Fences. I love Langston Hughes, and Mm -hmm. I teach Langston Hughes every Mm -hmm. year, and Mm -hmm. I think that he's he was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And y'all did like a whole series of his work, right? Mm -hmm. Even a one-man show that he wrote. Right. And you just finished Thurgood? Thurgood, Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. So tell me about Steel Theater, Steel Magic. Steel Magic Theater Theater. is uh, an organization that that was started by Ms. Susan McCain, who lives here in in Birmingham, and uh, and Susan is a lover of the arts and, and theater, and um, and just does a great job at putting on these stage plays, like Fences so and good. Thurgood, and and I've only been on the board now for about two years, so she's done, you know, a, so much more work prior to my being on the board of directors. And I love doing what I do with them and, and just love what she stands for and, and bringing more of the African-American theater uh, experience to the city of Birmingham. So a lot of people don't know about Still Magic, but it's, it's something that, that I would encourage anyone to, to Google uh, at stillmagictheater.org. 
org and just check it out because she's always going to be doing things that that you know bring more arts to to the city yeah i think that's great i had carlton carlton v bell the second thank you <laughs> my memory gets worse as i get older that's okay on the very first episode and they had started a theater company called birmingham black repertory theater company and one of the things we talked about is the need for more African-American stories in the theater world mm-hmm. in Birmingham, especially since <laughs> we're predominantly an African-American town. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not to knock other theater companies that are yeah. doing other, that are, you know, back huh. to your life story that will be in your book. So we <laughs> saw, obviously it'll be in your book, when you write it, and then we'll have you back. And yeah. We'll have to pay you then because it'll be like... <laughs> One of the things I love about you is that you continue to educate yourself and mm-hmm, others mm-hmm. and grow as a human being. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I think you do that is you continue your education. Like we, the, the two, the way that we met was through a class yeah. for playwriting mm-hmm. through UA, uh, art play. Uh-huh. And that's how I first got to know you. And then we just had a class again together on podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I love the story that you that inspired you, your life experience that ex- inspired you to want to do a podcast. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about your experience with your father? Oh, for sure. Like I said, I, I grew up, there were a, a total of nine siblings. You know, my dad had some kids, my mom had some kids, So, but we the, the, there was this blended family. Yeah. And I'm the baby. Of everybody I know, right? (laughs) And um, me too. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. And so, uh, my mom, like I mentioned, had passed away, and when when I was twelve months old from pancreatic cancer, and um, and so my father became the mother and the father, and he did everything, you know. And so I can remember when I was uh, in elementary school, and and I heard some somebody say one of my classmates. or somebody say, you know, I, I don't know where my dad is, or, you know, my dad is not around. And and that just blew my mind, because I, I just could not understand that, because my dad was all I knew. So I couldn't understand how a father was not in a child's life. I, I, and that still baffles me, yeah. you know, when you know you have a child, but that's all whole nother podcast that is another podcast that's a, that's a whole nother podcast i could be a guest on that podcast you know what i <laughs> i just have that i have such a pet peeve about that but anyway so my dad raised me and and raised my sister sheila got us through school got us through college and and did what he needed to do as a father as a parent you know no excuses you you just did what he needed to do and so as he got older and he retired from baggage transportation he was a truck driver so he was on the road quite a bit but he still oh, wow. was there when as he as he aged i decided to move back home and and do what i needed to do to be there for my dad and there were some rough days like i mentioned earlier because out of all the children i was pretty much the one who who was there who did you know the some helped not going to knock that they some helped. So sure. put that out there. Some did. Uh, and I'm grateful. Put that out there, too. Okay? Um, we got it. Yeah, Noted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you know, it, it, it takes more than just kind of dropping in and there and, and saying, hey, or whatever. It's a, it's a major responsibility. And so, you know, I did what I needed to do. And when my father fell and, and fractured his hip, 
and he had to go through rehab, and then he had to come. You know, of course, when he came home, you know, we, we hired a, uh, someone to come in to help, uh, a sitter. And so all these things go along with, with yeah. taking care of a parent, whether they fall or not, you know, because the memory starts going. But my dad had great memory. He was he was in excellent health. He just had fractured his hip, right. you know. And so... Um, I, I did what I needed to do for my dad, mm-hmm. and I'd do it all over again. I'd probably do things differently. You know, uh, there was a lot of emotional things going on for me because I was just not prepared, and I was just not there. As I, you know, because I'm human, I was younger, and I had my life, you sure. know. So there was just a lot of, of, of involvement uh, at that time. So uh, the whole thing about raising parents is, is, is just that because we all have parents, and they're aging. And they're going to need us to do things for them, yeah. you know, and sometimes even take over. And, you know, there's a whole legal piece of becoming the uh, the, the power of attorney. Sure. And so there's so much involved in, in, in taking care of parents. And, and, and that was your inspiration for the title was Raising Parents raising for the parents. podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. friends who and I guess we're all getting to that age you said your father was a lot older right but right. we are getting to that age I'm 45 my mom she's in perfect health mm-hmm. this is a picture of health so mm-hmm. I don't want to wish anything on her yeah she's 73 so you mm-hmm. know a lot of us in our 40s and 50s that our parents are and I know you know I have a good friend in Tuscaloosa she lost both her parents last year around the same time wow that's just but she had to take care of them a lot before then and mm-hmm. they lived in another state and there was mm-hmm. this whole thing about getting them care and she had to leave her work to mm-hmm. go take care of them and take and then take turns with her family mm-hmm. and her sisters mm-hmm. usually ends up i think that the women in the family do more of the work than the men yeah but unfortunately but um i wasn't looking at you folks uh-huh. <laughs> i wasn't looking at you You're right. the, <laughs> um but i love that idea i hope that 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 you're able to do that. I know you're busy enough doing other things, but I think that would be really something that people would respond to right. in a podcast. Right. Um, what do you think are some things that going, first of all, where are we on time? Wait. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Well, we've got, a, <laughs> I we've love you, Sam. Three you're so easy to talk to. Oh, this is so awesome. You, I love y'all too. This is like, I need, I told Fox, I was like, this is going to be so easy because because uh, it's just flying by. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, we'll have to cut. He hates me because I just do that in the middle and I, we have to cut it. There's some authenticity to it. I won't cut it all. When I first had the idea for doing this mm-hmm. podcast, the first two people that I thought of were you and Carla. Yeah. Because even though I know we're not, like I told Carla, we're not bosom buddies. Mm-hmm. We don't hang out all the time or mm-hmm. anything. But I just have admired the two of you. Mm-hmm since I met you and have been inspired by both of you Mm -hmm. to know that there isn't just one path that you don't have to do the same thing your whole life. That's right. And there are sidetracks and detours Uh and new ideas Uh and new ventures that you can undertake. And you both do that, but you making films, writing (laughs) things. I think when you were talking about your father, I realized why you obviously are so dedicated to, older folks mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. one of the first things you said when i asked you about activism you you you're 
you really and my mom is the same way she lo- she loves working with with older people mm-hmm. some people have a real i think la- they, there's a lack of comfort that a lot of younger people have with older people what would you say why do you like working with older folks i don't know i don't know if it was because my dad was an older gentleman and I was raised by a lot of older women, mm-hmm. you know, in the neighborhood and men. They had husbands. And, you know, they, they took great care of me. They, they, they protected my sister and I. They would take us to school when my dad was on the road. They'd feed us. They'd make sure we went to church. Yeah. You know, all these things. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's just something that's just natural for me. Uh, just, I love sitting down and talking to, to elderly people. In fact, I did a photo shoot um, this was maybe two years ago, and I'm trying to think of a nursing home right now, but it's, it's over near Central Plaza, or what used to be okay. Central Plaza. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and the Lord put it on my heart to, to do this shoot for just to go to a nursing home, and I'll, there'll probably be others, but to go to the nursing home and actually do a photo shoot, a complimentary photo shoot of those residents, the elderly mm-hmm. people there. And so when I reached out to one of the managers, in fact, I met her at a luncheon, and I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. She was like, when do you want to do it? Yeah. I was like, really? She was <laughs> like, when do you want to do it? Let's do it. Uh-huh. And so as a result of that, they decided to, do, to have a senior prom Oh, that's oh, so cool. Oh, my gosh. It was wonderful. So they dressed everybody up, and they had they, they had gone to Burger King and gotten crowns, and they spray-painted the crowns silver. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and they, great. And they had, they had the, the, the jewelry on, and it was absolutely wonderful. They had music, and they had yeah. cookies, and coffee, and tea. And it was a great Day that was one of the best experiences of my oh, life, wow. and so I did a shoot of everybody and decided to frame each photo and present them to you know I took them back to the nursing home and they gave them to that way their families could have in a more recent up to date sure. more professional looking photo of their their loved one and it was absolutely wonderful. It was wonderful. Sounds amazing. It was, oh my gosh. And you'd see some of them, you know, doing the jig and those who were in wheelchairs were still even (laughs) sitting there moving to the music. And it was great. It was great. See, another reason that stories like yours inspire me is that it it, it reminds us how connected we all are to people and how often we just don't explore those connections. They're hidden or they're right there in the open. Uh We we get Uh so caught up in our Uh day-to-day. And that's so fulfilling, though, when you when you get that experiences like that. Yeah, yeah. So fulfilling yeah, just even to hear about it. Right. And when they said, well, we're going to do a senior prom, I thought. That's Oh, amazing. my gosh. Yeah. Because I didn't even think about that. I just knew that I wanted to go in and take a photo yeah. of each person, you know. So it turned into this, this great event, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Hey, that ring you're wearing is so cool. Where did you get that? Actually, this was uh, my niece's ring. Her name was Jamisa, and she passed away 10 years ago from breast cancer. Oh. And so her mom, my older sister, Shirley, has blessed me with so much of her jewelry. She was a classy lady. Yeah. She was very classy. Y'all would have loved her. Oh, yeah. You would have loved her. Yeah. I so love that. I wish you. that the podcast audience could see that ring. It's I just know, this it's... large sort of, what is that, tortoise sort of? Yeah. Oh, I see. It's kind of black and gold. Uh-huh. There's some green. Green. Uh-huh. It's really nice. I love mm-hmm. that. Thank you. So 
let me ask you a few questions, just a couple, a few fun questions, and then one serious question. Absolutely. What's your favorite thing to do? I Even love going not... to the movies. Okay. Yeah, love going to the movies. So I guess. How, where do you go? What kind, which movie theater are you? You know to what? Go to? I I'll go to the the movie theater right at here on Lorna Road. Then yeah. the dollar fifty or dollar thirty. I, I, I remember when it used to be a dollar. So yeah. I, I'll wait until the movie gets there. I just wish they had more lights in their parking lot. But I do love that theater. Yeah, I love that theater. Love that, and I love Sidewalk theater now that's open. Have you been to that cinema? I have not yet. You need to go. I've got to go. It's so cool. And they have some free things too. Yeah. yeah. Which is nice. If if only so that our audience hears it. Valentine's Day they had a showing of But I'm a Cheerleader. Have you ever seen that? I have not. It's so fun. It's Natasha Leone at a straight camp and it's all the weirdness of RuPaul trying to get you to turn straight. Oh my god. It was like (laughs) Pray the Gay Away kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, But yeah RuPaul is in it. A lot of big names in the nine they were a lot younger, you know. Okay. But they okay. they show all kinds of stuff there. They even had I know that new movie that I wanted to see called I think it's called Clemency with is it Viola Davis that's in that? But they yes. they'll do special screenings of of, of of movies that maybe appeal to a certain activist community or whatever, and they'll have people come in and okay. the speaker come in after after the film and discuss the. The film, so that clemency, I believe, is is about you know prison reform and stuff like that. Oh, okay, but, but they've had different, and then they just have fun, crazy stuff. It's okay. really cool. Documentaries yeah. about fungi. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> some of the ones that you might not see at the at the theater that are good, maybe even Oscar nominated stuff. And then they okay. they had like a Jewish film festival. And, yes. So anyway, yeah, I've been reading a lot of that. I've just not gone yet. Get down there. So what else? yeah, so, what, but uh, but yeah, that's one movies. of one of my fun things is movies, and I love Sidewalk. What about what about music? Do you like music? Do you listen to a lot of music? I love music. Well, who are some of your favorites? Believe it or not, um, Janet Jackson is is one of my yeah. I wore out control when it yeah. came out. Oh my gosh, yeah, love <laughs> Janet Jackson. I saw her here in Birmingham a couple of years ago. Pleasure Principle, I also love. By the yes. way, yes, go ahead. Yes, yes, the Velvet Rope. The yeah. Velvet Rope. Oh, oh don't God. get me started. I know we can sit here. Oh, that hey. is the album. That's right the album. The that Velvet is Rope it. Album is the That's album. That's the one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Believe it or not, I'm, I love Pharrell Williams. Oh, I yeah. love his music. I started listening to. I, I love listening to Pandora. Mm-hmm. And so recently, I started listening to some of the Kanye West music. And so when I tell people that, too. and I haven't heard the new one, but when I tell people that, they're like Kanye West, please, <laughs> you know. But he's a brilliant artist. He's, yeah. a, he's a very talented young man, so I enjoy his music. I'm d- d- just sort of a all-around kind of girl when it comes to music. What about that? I mean, I know that's a whole other podcast probably, but just what do you think about separating... You know, there are artists like Woody Allen and other people who have these controversial things that happen, and Kanye West is one of mm-hmm. them because of what he did with Donald Trump, I guess. Mm-hmm. I personally may not win a lot of fans in your generation, Fox, <laughs> but I can separate. So, like, if Kanye is a great artist, I can not necessarily, I don't know if you call it overlooked, but mm-hmm. I can still enjoy the art. Mm-hmm. If if there are controversial political yeah. views or whatever, yeah. you feel that way too? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. S- speaking for the tweeters, <laughs> <laughs> speaking for the for the Twitter generation, at least a little bit of what I've seen is before a certain point in his career, people can't ignore that there there is a before and after mm-hmm. that, that someone like Woody Allen doesn't get the same courtesy of because Woody Allen's are more not not political but more uh, sexual abuse kind of thing. Right. right. I get that, but right. 
I mean, I know that's a whole other podcast, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Kanye West came up, and I think a lot of people love his new album, which I haven't heard either. I haven't heard, and, and I, my niece was telling me I really need to listen. Well, to I thought it. you might really enjoy it because I know he's he's really it's it's more religious in tone, it is. and uh-huh. he's sort of turned a corner in mm-hmm. terms of spirituality and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, Bob Dylan did the same thing mm-hmm. when the in the seventies. I think he had his he. He turned to Christianity and put out several albums, I think. Mm-hmm. The music connoisseurs are going to correct me on that, I'm sure. Yeah. So film, music. Now, those were my fun questions. So what would you say, where would you like to see, where would you like to see us in the future, near future? And where would you like to see the country, America? I feel like we're very divided and negative and oh, yeah. hurting each other a lot now. Where would you yeah. like to see us go? I would like to see... Uh, more love uh, that's the bottom line if, if yeah. people stop focusing on self and start focusing on other people then you know ultimately things will start coming together people will start coming together more everything is just so different now and uh, and it's so unfortunate that that we are where we are but I truly believe that we're not here by, the world is not here by accident, you know, in terms of what's going on. God is very much aware of everything, and he's still very much in control. And so it's going to be okay, you know, and that's what we have to believe, that it's going to be okay. No matter how bad it seems, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our personal lives, you know, it's going to be okay. We just have to simply believe that you know, and focus on doing better and being better and, and, and again, doing what we can do to help somebody else, to make a difference in, in the life of somebody else, you know, uh, whether it's a child, because there, there's a lot of children out there that need help that don't know. You have a lot of children that are having children, so mm-hmm. how can they actually raise a child without, you know, not knowing anything about life themselves? And so... Ultimately, we need to share more love. We need to give more love. We need to be more loving. We need to receive more love. You know, mm. bring those barriers down. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody's out to get you. Not everybody's out to attack you. You know, so relax. Yeah. And just let it be. Be okay. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And I think that you live by example and mm-hmm. all of the things that you do mm-hmm. are come from that place that you're talking about. Oh, and yeah. I... I support you, and I love you for it, and I'm so thankful to you for doing this. Thank you. I think you'll inspire other people. I I hope so, and this has been such a joy, and I wish you guys all the best with what you're doing, and uh, let's do it again soon. And and when I get mine started, will you guys come and be on my show? And And I'll send people your way who who are, yeah. Fantastic. Love y'all. Love you. Thank you for listening to Where You Are, a podcast created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. The introductory music was Bright in the Corner Where You Are, a song performed by Billy Pollard and created by Ina Dudley Ogden and Charles Hutchinson Gabriel. The interlude music, Dead Inside, was taken from the Little Spoon album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. Thank you again for listening, and have a nice day, wherever you are.